Welcome to Anecdotes with Anne, with me, Anne Rimmer. History is littered with failed experiments, governments, laws, philosophies, and technology that didn't quite make the cut. Today's podcast is about one of those experiments, an alternative to the nation-state, based on highly individual cities, non-contiguous territory, but a common foreign policy. The Hanseatic League was a trading confederation which emerged in the middle of the 13th century, grew to great prominence, only to disappear in the 15th. To me, the League is a fascinating example of what could have been and allows us to look critically at the advantages and disadvantages of the system that did survive. The Hanseatic League was the product of a medieval Europe that was a patchwork of territories, ruled by a mishmash of kings, bishops, dukes, and even knights, most of whom were more interested in territorial conquest than economic policy. All of this made continental trade a risky business in the 1200s. Merchants had to navigate a multitude of local currencies, tariffs, and laws, as well as thieves and a general lack of law and order. In the southern part of the continent, the profits made by merchants were sufficiently high that they could broadly afford to handle these risks independently. But merchants in the north traded bulk raw materials with lower profit margins, which created an incentive for them to pool risk. The Hansa was a loose alliance of these merchants. The German city of Lübeck is credited as being the genesis of the League. Located along the western edge of the Baltic, it was a free imperial city, meaning that it was not under the jurisdiction of a local overlord, but was accountable only to the Emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. This is akin to how Washington, D.C. is not part of any American state. This independence provided the city with considerable flexibility to pursue its own interests, and its interest was trade. The city was a crucial port through which German-speaking merchants brought goods to and from the Baltic, as well as having its own goods which it wished to trade, including salt and herring. But as just one city without an overlord, it was also vulnerable to attack and meddling from the outside. As the trade between cities grew, Lübeck formed an association with merchants in similar imperial cities in Hamburg, Weismar, Rostock, and Cologne, creating the backbone of the League. What exactly it meant to be part of the Hanseatic League is not always evident. Even the term Hansa is under some dispute by historians. It could refer to a tax that cities had to pay to be part of the League, or was just a broad term referring to an association. At its basic level, the Hanseatic League brought together German-speaking merchants who specialized in exchanging raw materials such as timber from the Baltic for refined goods such as wool from the West. The League had many different facets. It was a forum for standardized exchange, a court for common commercial law, and a security force for its members. For instance, one of the privileges of being part of the League was access to the contours, or trading desks, in major cities which were not part of the League. One of the most famous was the Steelyard in London, which provided a warehouse, lodging, and even a church for the German merchants. There was never a defined membership, and cities left and joined as it suited them, although Lübeck and Hamburg remained at the core. Each city had its own Hansa council, but they operated independently of each other. In 1356, the League established a parliament, but this was at best an ad hoc body. Meetings were called to respond to specific issues, and only those directly implicated would attend. When the Hansa did take collective action, 
it was often in response to an external threat. One of the first provisions dating from an early 12th century agreement was that members of the League were to support each other in conflicts against overlords. They also took advantage of their collective resources to negotiate favorable trading conditions. For example, the Hansa were able to provide valuable financing to rulers at a time when raising taxes was rudimentary. In return, they often received valuable trade concessions that promoted their interests above those of local traders. An early part of the Hundred Years' War was financed by Hansa merchants, with the English crown jewels being held as collateral from 1339 to 1344 in Cologne. In exchange, Hansa merchants were granted favorable trading terms in England's wool trade and in the valuable tin mines in Cornwall. In the 14th century, the League was at its peak, extending into modern-day Russia, Poland, Latvia, and Estonia. In a show of force in 1361, 70 Hanseatic cities supplied troops to fight King Vladimir IV of Denmark. Vladimir had attacked the Hanseatic city of Visby, which was a crucial port on the shipping routes between the Baltic and the North Sea. The Hanseatic League was victorious in the conflict, and the resulting treaty with Denmark guaranteed passage of Hansa ships through the Sound between Denmark and the Baltic, as well as giving the Hansa the right to veto the Danes' choice of king. The Hansa were also prepared to start a fight when it thought that its trade monopolies were threatened. In 1368, the League blocked all grain imports to Norway after that country tried to open their grain markets to Dutch and English grain merchants. Desperate to feed its population, the Norwegians eventually conceded to the Hansa. And so the Hansa prospered and traded and protected their monopolies. But the world evolved and started to challenge the very foundations on which the Hanseatic League was based the northern Baltic was becoming less and less important to European trade. Spain, Portugal, the Netherlands, and England were all exploring the New World, with their western ports becoming centers of trade. At the same time that the Hansa were becoming less important, nation-states were beginning to emerge. As rulers took control over their own trading interests, they began to resent the advantages that the Hansa had over local traders. In 1598, the Hansa were expelled from the steelyard by Queen Elizabeth I in response to appeals from British merchants that the Germans were getting preferential treatment. Slowly, cities broke off from the League to be swallowed up by the nations rising around them. And the Hansa, once mighty and victorious, headed to the obsolete pile of history. While the League may no longer exist, the dream of a common European market remains at times challenging the very nation-states which had challenged the Hansa. I guess that's what I love about history. It allows us to see current debates in a new light and perhaps take another look through the discard pile for new inspiration. <laughs>